I'm Rob. I'm Michelle. And this is Two, Two Librarians, Librarians Walk, Walk Into a, a Shelf. Rob, what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, wow. You know I don't try a whole lot of new stuff. Quiche? <laughs> I mean, what is that exactly? Is, is it a it, pie? <laughs> is it a pie made out of eggs? Yes. And cheese? It's like an omelet in a pie crust. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that's Sheesh. weird. Okay. All right. So yeah, we're getting in. It's springtime. We're getting into summer. The pandemic uh, restrictions are lifting. Do you guys have a family vacation on the books yet? We actually don't. What? I know. We're usually trying to go somewhere just because that's, we've always traveled. That's something that my husband and I have always done. And we took a small trip last fall and that's all we've done since the fall before that. Wow. You guys usually have something planned in spring, summer, fall. Yeah. It's it's starting to get to us, I think. Yeah. That we're not. Uh, it's just like a habit, like once about once a quarter, at least once every six months, we'd like to go somewhere and see something we haven't seen or whatever. So yeah, it's starting to starting to get us down. I think there's no reservations, there's no tickets bought, there's no, nothing. There's nothing. We're hoping to take a big trip with some friends next summer for some milestone birthdays. Oh, you're not going to make it till next summer. No, we're going to go somewhere before <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> then, or I'm going to lose it. Um, I just we're taking a small trip to like a little lake house with my family later this summer, but it's just a couple of nights and I don't necessarily consider that a vacation. A vacation. Oh. It's a it'll be fun. Right. But that's when I think of like me and my family going somewhere and doing, you know, anyway. It'll be good. I don't want to complain about getting the chance to hang out with my family. Right. At a at a lake house for a few days. There's um, worse things. There are worse things. I'm looking forward to it for sure. It's just not a big trip like we normally have. Right. Planned, so. Wow, that's weird because for as long as I've known you, you guys always have. There's always a trip coming up. Something com- coming up. Well, yeah. your next trip will probably, like your next trip trip will probably be spectacular. Oh, goodness. I hope so. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's book club time and we did a change this time because we incorporated Audiobook Appreciation Month mm-hmm. with our book club. So we actually listened to A Lady by Midnight by Tessa Dare. Yep. It's part of the Spindle Cove series. Um, Spindle Cove is a secluded little town far away from the hustle and bustle of the ton. And if you remember a couple of our book clubs in the past, the ton is basically what they called London High Society. And Spindle Cove is a haven for ladies who, for whatever reason, feel they don't fit in with the high society and they don't want to have a season and, and a, you know, dance cards and the pressures of having to find a husband. And so for whatever reason, there's this little town on the coast for ladies to go and live outside of that pressure. So we have Kate. Kate Taylor was raised in a harsh home for girls. And when she was old enough to leave, she found a home in Spindle Cove teaching music and voice lessons to the ladies of the city. She doesn't remember who her family might have been and wishes that she had had one. And she has a faint memory of the person who dropped her at the orphanage as a young child, but that's all she has. Corporal Samuel Thorne arrived at Spindle Cove as part of the militia a year ago. And coincidentally, that story is the plot of the first in this series called A Night to Surrender. If you like this book, you'd like that one as well. So basically what happens is 
here's this town of delicate ladies who, for whatever reason, don't want to deal with men. They make them nervous. You know, they've been uh, deemed unfit for marriage or they've decided themselves they're unfit for marriage. And then this, like, militia of men land in their town. And there's only, like, one little tea house, but the men want it to be a bar or a tavern. And so there's, like, the big conflict in that book outside of the romance storyline is the clash between the ladies and the militia that have to make this town their home now, too, because they're protecting the coast. So that that's a fun book. All of the shenanigans going on in that book are hilarious. And a lot of characters from this one in that one? Yes. So um, actually, when they talk about... Um, Ralston, the Duke of Ralston mm-hmm. in this book, um, he's the the hero in A Night to Surrender. Oh, okay. So, and Min- Minnie, her friend Minnie, Minerva, she's the heroine of that book. Oh, okay. So that was a fun one. So Thorne Thorn gets to this town, and he's gruff, and he's rough, and he doesn't want to talk to anybody, and Kate assumes that he doesn't like her at all because it looks like he can't even stand to be in the room with her. So she pays him no mind. The book starts as Kate is having a very rough day. And as she sets out to return home, Thorne is there to rescue her. And with him is a puppy. What do you, what do you think about the puppy, Rob? Well, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a pet person per that, se. You're lying. Okay. We have brought a new cat into the house. Todd. Mm-hmm. And he's sweet, but he's he's going to grow into a regular cat soon enough. He's going to grow out of that kitten sweetness. I'm enjoying the kitten sweetness. And so, okay, Badger the puppy in this story is cute here. Chewing up books. Yum, yum, yum. But, I mean, he's just going to grow into a big dog. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Todd will love you forever, and you are going to love Todd I'm going to bring Todd to work with me one Please day. Please bring Todd to work. Okay. Anyway, the, the dog is fine. Badger's fine. It's an important character, probably more important than I realized. <laughs> okay. So they return to Spindle Cove, and the next thing they know, there's this new family that has come to town, the Gramercies, and there's Evan... There's the sisters Lark and Harriet, and there's Aunt Marmoset, and they have arrived in Spindle Cove because they believe that Kate is their long-lost cousin, and Thorne is suspicious. Oh, way suspicious. So he has become friends with Kate. Um, There's a few little hints uh, as to why he feels overprotective of Kate in the beginning of the book. He offers Kate this fake engagement to protect her from being at the mercy of these, you know, unknown family members that have come out of the woodwork claiming that she's one of them. And she, she has a claim to a lot of money. So Thorne is suspicious and wants to protect her, and protecting her apparently involves pretending to marry her. So that's a, that's a pretty well-known fake engagement trope. It's used in a lot of romances, both historical and contemporary. Fake an engagement to protect me from my grandma. Fake an engagement to protect me from, you know, who knows what. Do you, did you like that? What did you think of the fake engagement? Well, I'm, I'm familiar with it from 
all kinds of different comedy movies. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, was there a fake engagement? There was a fake boyfriend in, uh, oh, it was one of the books that I read last year. Uh, the Jill Chavez book you had me read for Christmas. Hot Winter Nights. Hot Winter Night. That had the fake boyfriend okay. trope. So I understand it. You know, these these books, you go into them with a certain, you know, you expect certain things. Yes. So it's going to be plot A, B, or C. So this one's plot, I guess, A. Sure. I would imagine this is pretty common. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense. I mean, you see where he's coming from when he introduces this wacky idea. And as the reader or listener in this case, we, we know that there's a little something else because we also hear his thoughts, right? which kind of makes it a little intriguing because like just to do it, just to come up with this idea, it's, it's, it's one wacky idea, but to know that there might be a different motive behind it. Yeah. I kept you listening a little bit longer. Right. So I like, I mean, it's not a trope that you're bothered by. I wouldn't assume because you've read a ton of these, right? Yeah. I, the only there's an so the only thing in this book that bothered me was I by the end I was done with Thorn being like I'm not good enough I'm not good enough for you oh I'm that not was good boring you. Yeah, yeah I was I, done with that like quit running away quit disappearing at pivotal moments accept your feelings I mean some of that's just being a man and you wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't expect you to understand that <laughs> no I would not understand being a man I do understand running from feelings I get that but like he just kept disappearing like. And then the end, in the the dungeon or the brig or whatever they called it, like it was a little ridiculous. Like really, you you made your friend put you in jail so that you you wouldn't turn into the Hulk and no, storm so, the church. And- <laughs> I don't know, so that you wouldn't spoil her anyway. Like you had to put yourself in jail to disappear from the situation. Yep. I think that was a little much. I you was like, Thorn, you lug. yes, you big dummy. Why in the world? <laughs> Would anyway, like shackle yourself so that she can't find you and then she finds you. Anyway, very frustrating. Uh, do you have a favorite quote from the book? No. You didn't write anything down? No. <laughs> I think because I was listening, I was, I was, it was a different experience for me. I should say that, and I think I mentioned this before when we announced we were doing this, this is the first full audiobook I've ever listened to. I've never. Listened to one. I never tried. There was an audio tape. I guess that's not true. There were some cassettes back in, in the 90s that I, that I got. And one of them was a reenactment of a story. And then there were some Stephen King ones. And I haven't tried them again since. Okay. So I enjoyed the heck out of this. I'm actually on my third audio book. <laughs> wow. Character development. Yeah. So... I was just into listening. And usually when I'm listening, I'm walking around the neighborhood sure. or driving to work or driving home from work or doing, you know, chores around the house. So I'm not really I, – I wasn't prepared to take notes like I would have if we were reading the book. So well, There was one that I particularly liked that I stopped and then sent myself a little email with the quote. It's, if love were music, he would be tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was cute. This book was very funny. It was. This was a good rom-com. Yes. Tessa Dare is good at that. I, like I said, the, the premise of a night to surrender with like 
the men descending upon this quiet little sleepy town of women and the clashes between the two. And like, there's a literal fight in the tavern slash tea house. <laughs> like it is funny. Um, and this one was also funny. I appreciate her humor. I did notice that it approached female and male sexual fantasy in a different, I guess looking at it from both the eyes of both characters. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the female sexual fantasy here was when Kate was watching Thorn naked and wet iron her dress. Like she literally was watching him do housework mm -hmm. naked and wet. Is yes. that a female fantasy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, she worked that in there. That's amazing. And evidently it works. It has a name. Okay. It's called chore play. Oh, okay. All you men or whoever out there listening, I think it probably works both ways. <laughs> chore play is a thing. Didn't know, but it worked in the book. <laughs> it was quite an effective scene that started a chapter that seemed to never end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't be jealous. We're just written this way. <laughs> uh, as far as the male fantasy here, it's Thorne after they're together for the first time. And yeah. he, he apologizes to Kate for possibly hurting her. Mm -hmm. And he's not apologizing for getting all daffy duck wild and causing the bump heads like a couple of coconuts and asking if <laughs> <laughs> he hurt her like that. <laughs> No, no. So uh, maybe don't talk about Daffy Duck and canoodling in the same sentence. No. Oh, are you okay? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> no, it's funny and it's sweet, and I enjoyed the characters and the interactions. And I mean, I it hooked me. It hooked me. Um, I started to care whether or not she was part of this weird family. And each of those family members had a weird quirk about them, and they could probably all have their own books. Yeah, I like I like their fa the the long-lost family that show up for Kate. They're goofy, and they're unconventional, and it's like they've learned from certain things in their past that you discover in the book. It's a plot point maybe I don't want to give away, but it's like they've learned from things in the past that, it's okay to accept people as they are. Yes, they're very accepting and, and supportive. You know, let people be who they are. And I think that was a nice little addition to the book, the push and the pull between Kate desperately wanting family. This family wanting her to be part of it. I think Thorne had every right to be suspicious, but I think. Yeah, they were kind you know, of kooky. Yeah. I don't want to give anything away, but he definitely had a right to be suspicious. So to wrap it up, I think it's easy to say this book has everything. Exploding watermelons, explicit garden statues, spice drops, chore play, free-spirited, unorthodox, long-lost family, secrets both honorable and dishonorable, unconstrained canoodling a go-go, stamina a plenty, gratuitous cute puppy shenanigans, gratuitous endearment cuddles, gratuitous old crone orphanage matron, gratuitous multiple fiancés, we give it five eggplant emojis. Michelle and Rob say, give it a listen. Yeah, it was good. Are you interested enough to read any of the other Spindle Cove series? 
I might. They're fun. I might listen to them. It's a nice way to do my housework. My, my housework. <laughs> my wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just cleaning the baseboards. And she's like, you don't do that. That's weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, I'm listening to my story. <laughs> Historical fiction, dear. <laughs> listening to my story. So I just thought, you know, it's cool. Scrub, scrub, scrub. <laughs> no, it was fun. Uh, a Lady by Midnight by Tessa Dare. And we listened to that on Hoopla. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. What else? Are you reading anything else? I am. I'm reading Outlawed by Anna North, which is our next Two Librarians Walk Into a Shelf book club pick. Yes. Uh, you can find the audio and the ebook on Libby. And you can check out books from Branches. You can get that on hold and get a copy for yourself. That came out earlier this year. It's been described as The Handmaid's Tale meets True Grit. It's an alternative Western history with a feminist bent. Uh, so far, so good. I'm almost done. It's a little depressing at times, so it's taken me a while to get through. It's not long, which is kind of shameful that I'm still working on it, but sometimes I just have to put it down. Like There's but, parts. Yeah. So, but it's good. I'm, it's written well. Yes, definitely. I finished it. I, I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. So we'll talk about that one. And um, there's another one I think we're going to bring into the discussion. They're both very short, and it's Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey Fry. Yes, I'm listening to that one currently. I've read part of that one, had to turn it back in because it had holds. Going to revisit it, finish it. So that's another kind of Western-ish. It doesn't take place in the West, but it's um, – that one's librarians, mountaintop librarians. Yeah, the Librarian Brigade going out to Utah. And this is more of a sci-fi. It's after something horrible's happened, and we've kind of reverted back to yeah, a... Yeah, like a future dystopia situation. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's a great companion piece to Outlawed. Yeah, I think we're going we're gonna to talk about both of those. So I'm excited for that one. So what else are you reading right now? Well, in addition to everything else, yep. of course, I'm still reading my graphics. Sure. And I got to Panic. And uh, Panic came about after EC, who I've talked about before. They discontinued their horror and crime titles, and they went full into the comedy business with Mad. And, of course, we know Mad Magazine. And it was hugely successful. They were so successful that a ton of other comedy comics appeared on the stands. And so, like, they wanted to get some of that extra sweet, sweet money. Mm -hmm. Right? So Mad made their own competition and called it Panic. <laughs> Which is not uncommon. <laughs> uh, they did that all the time, which is why, you know, Tales from the Crypt was popular. So then they did Vault of Horror. So they made their own competition so they could get, you know, more more money. Uh, Panic ran for 12 issues. And with the very first issue, they ran into some controversy with their Twas the Night Before Christmas satire. So right out of the gate, uh, the good people of Boston banned Panic <laughs> from newsstands. What uh, year was that? That was, uh, I believe, 54. Okay. They're packed with plenty of now cringeworthy satire. It's basically mad, only they call it Panic. Okay. Hoopla offers the entire run, 12 issues, in the EC archives, Panic, Volumes 1 and 2. You watching anything? Yeah, I started watching this HBO series called The Nevers. Okay. I've not heard of this one. No, it's um, alternate, I'm back in England. You know, alternate Victorian England history, kind of steampunky. 
something has happened and it's given people special powers. And of course, during the time period, like, you know, that means they're bad or they're evil and they need to be taken care of. Um, And they're fighting back against that. So it's like murder mystery and like, where did these powers come from? And the main character seems to know something about it, but they can't access all their memories. And um, so far, so good. Okay. Just a few episodes in. Okay. You're hooked? Yeah, I am. Okay. That's all that matters, right? Mm Mm-hmm. As long as you're entertained. I checked out a movie that I believe I mentioned when I first saw the trailer on the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Willie's Wonderland. Is that the Nick Cage with Nick the animatronics? Yes. Okay. From 2021, Nick Cage is a loner wandering the backwoods of a royal hick town when he hits a spike strip in the middle of nowhere and ends up with four flat tires. A backwoods mechanic says he'll cover the cost of repairs if Cage agrees to spend a night cleaning up the long-abandoned family-friendly Willie's Wonderland restaurant. Willie's is sort of a Chuck E. Cheese with singing animatronic characters, but they peddle hot dogs instead of pizza. Cage agrees with a nod and with a bag of energy drinks and a stack of Willie's Wonderland t-shirts embarks on a long night of cleaning. Locals know that Willie's was actually a haven for a coven of satanic psychopaths who committed mass suicide so their souls could inhabit the animatronic characters of Willie the Weasel and his friends. Slowly... Cage, referred to in the credits as the janitor, realizes the characters are coming to life one by one to try to eat his soul. In between energy drink and pinball breaks, Cage battles the satanic beings while continuing to clean willies per his agreement. A group of teens come to burn the place down and realize Cage is inside. They become trapped when they try to get him out. You know exactly what kind of movie you're watching when one of the characters says he's not trapped in here with them. They're trapped inside with him. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, The trailer for this film sets it up perfectly and lets you know what you're in for. Nick Cage killing lovable satanic animatronic characters. If you expect anything more from this premise than that, your expectations from life are just too dang high. Uh, Director Kevin Lewis describes the movie as pale writer versus killer clowns from outer space. (laughs) This is prime Nick Cage, and here he stretches and plays a role without any dialogue but still delivers a number of prime cage moments without making a peep, the sign of a true artist at the top of his game. Check it out if you run across this streaming. Unfortunately, at the moment, HMCPL does not have it in the system, and it's not yet on Hoopla, but we all know Hoopla loves them some Nick Cage, so I hope it shows up there soon. When and if it does, I will definitely mention it on the podcast. Willie's Wonderland. Have you seen this great movie yet? I have not seen it. You made me watch the trailer, though. Would you watch the movie? You're taking too long to answer. I'm not going to say I won't watch it, but I'm not excited about it. Okay, that's fair. It seems like there's going to be like a lot of jump scares and like creepy and, you know, violence. Aren't you just a bit interested to see how Nick Cage emotes without any dialogue? Because he does this great Nick Cage look through the entire movie. Like he's, like he doesn't understand the English coming out of the face of the character who's talking to him. It's great. <laughs> I think that's I Nick am, Cage I, I am, thinking. Do you think there's like a supercut of just like Nick Cage and then take like Nick Cage emoting throughout the movie? There should be. There should be. And, and, and I'm telling takes you. takes out the rest of the movie, just Nick Cage in his face. <laughs> and when we think of Nick Cage, we do think of that 
that moment in every movie he's ever been in where he just loses it. And yeah. he does that here when he gets the high score on the pinball machine. <laughs> and let me tell you something. It's a moment where you know things are going to start going down. Like this is a turning point in the film. Okay. What's great is like when he takes his breaks, you hear all the kids running around screaming and getting killed. And he's like, <laughs> you know, it's break time. How how his heart doesn't jump out of his chest after all the energy drinks he swills th- during the movie is, is amazing. <laughs> I'm talking this up. Everybody who's listening is like, man, I got to see this movie. Well, don't, don't, just because of that. If you have an honest interest, watch it. <laughs> so are you recommending it or not? I'm recommending it if this is the kind of movie you think that you like. If you okay. like the idea that the premise is Pale Rider versus Killer Clowns from Outer Space, you have to watch it. Okay. If that premise to you sounds horrible, mixing a sci-fi horror comedy with a Clint Eastwood Western, probably don't watch it. I see I see why you were into it, oh, just by this that is, description. It's got everything. <laughs> Apparently. So, anyway, robots are a lot like animatronic characters at Willy's Wonderland. You ever thought about that? I mean, I just did. Yes. Wow. That's why, no matter what they say, no matter matter what what they they do, do, don't don't trust trust robots. The views expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the Huntsville-Madison County Library System. For more information on the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library, visit us online at hmcpl.org. If you'd like to learn more about some of the topics discussed today, visit your local library, which is us. No representation is made that your librarian is more knowledgeable than other librarians or that they have any expertise on your particular project.